0: Cancer Advances, a Cleveland Clinic podcast for medical professionals, exploring the latest innovative research and clinical advances in the field of oncology. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Cancer Advances. I'm your host, Dr. Dale Shepard, a medical oncologist here at Cleveland Clinic overseeing our toxic phase one and sarcoma programs. Today, I'm happy to be joined by Dr. Matteo Trucco, director of the Children's Cancer Innovative Therapy Program at Cleveland Clinic Children's. Is here today to talk to us about a National Ewing Sarcoma Tumor Board. Welcome, Matteo. You've been a guest here on our podcast in the past, and maybe you could remind us uh, what your role is here at Cleveland Clinic.
1: Yeah, thank you, uh, Dale. I'm basically the Dale Shepherd on the pediatric side. I run the clinical trials program in pediatric oncology, also specialize in sarcomas that affect children, adolescents, and young adults.
0: We're going to talk about this National Ewing Sarcoma Tumor Board. Um, tell us a little bit about what that is. What, what is? Maybe we could start, we have a diverse group here. What is a tumor board? Let's just start very basic.
1: Yeah, so a tumor board is basically a meeting of various specialties that uh, are involved in taking care of patients with cancer. It, it takes a village, so everything from medical or pediatric oncologists, radiation specialists, surgeons of various sorts and also the radiologists that read scans, the pathologists that uh, look at the tumor tissue under under the microscope to tell us exactly uh, what tumor it is. And and nowadays also understanding some of the molecular drivers of those tumors. All those people meet um, either in a room uh, back in the day or uh, in this case and during the pandemic virtually Uh, to discuss these various cases and each lends their expertise to kind of come up with the best plan for that specific uh, patient.
0: So how did this start?
1: This all started actually, it was um, from a foundation, a a family that had an interest in Ewing sarcoma and kind of came to members of our group saying, hey, could you guys somehow organize things so that you guys and other sarcoma centers in the country can share your expertise on Ewing sarcoma with, you know, other providers that may not uh, have as much experience and just kind of have a meeting of the minds of of the experts in this field. And, you know, more people thinking about cases together uh, can probably come up with better treatments. And so it kind of started as an idea, again, prompted by uh, the patient community and we reached out to colleagues throughout the country at the various other uh, sarcoma centers that specialize in Ewing sarcoma and got about a dozen people internally and another dozen externally uh, from the Cleveland Clinic that, you know, said, yeah, let's let's make this happen. And we then invited pretty much anyone we could think of who had a, an interest in Ewing sarcoma or, or you know, would be considered an expert in Ewing sarcoma and invited them to participate. People submit cases of complicated cases, things that aren't just straightforward. And we had upwards of 80 people uh, on our first meeting. I think I don't have the total, but I think it was even higher uh, our second meeting. Uh, and discuss some really interesting cases, and I think really um, everyone coming together lended some some great insight and and different ways of thinking about the, uh, the cases that were presented.
0: And again, just so we can sort of educate people on uh, on part of this, Ewing sarcoma. Um, what is it? Why Ewing sarcoma? Is this uh, is this this is a pretty rare tumor? Maybe you can give us a little background on why Ewing sarcoma may be particularly well suited for something like this.
1: Uh, So Ewing sarcoma is the second most common bone tumor that we see in in pediatrics, at least. Um, And it kind of spans from, you know, school age kids all the way up to people in their 20s, kind of rare beyond 30 years old. But, you know, there's only a few hundred cases of Ewing sarcoma in the U.S. every year. So few people see enough Ewing sarcomas to really have an expertise on it. And while the, the upfront therapy is pretty standard, it's you know five drugs that we've been using for at least the last 20, 30 years. After that upfront therapy, when someone relapses or uh, depending on where the tumor is, that's where things get a little trickier and, and require some expertise, um, some people with, with more experience in dealing with this specific tumor, be it from a radiation standpoint, be it from a surgical standpoint, or a medical standpoint, one of the cases that was presented recently was a tumor that arose near the spine. And one of the docs in Michigan who was presenting the case asked, has anyone had any experience with giving intrathecal chemotherapy for Ewing sarcomas that arise around the spine? Uh, it just so happened that, that several people had given topotecan uh, intrathecally for Ewing sarcoma, but after discussing the case and reviewing it, we actually all sort of didn't think that uh, it was indicated in this case. Those are the kind of not straightforward approaches to Ewing sarcoma that uh, comes up during these meetings.
0: And I guess not only maybe a discussion of a treatment plan, but is the goal also to maybe identify local specialists who can perform a particular procedure like a surgery or... Or radiation. Is that also a, one of the goals?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the goals is to kind of identify local uh, uh, experts that can help out. Um, again, we have we have surgeons and radiation specialists from across the country, from California to, to Massachusetts. And not only that, but also clinical trials that may be available throughout the country, closer to the specific patient or maybe if it's across the country, but it's a very promising trial that might be a great option for that patient. This is a venue because most of the people running those trials are participating in this tumor board. So that was another hope for this tumor board to just help the awareness of all the trials that are out there. Um, As you know, Dale, we both run clinical trials and we try to stay abreast of all the clinical trials out there, but it's nearly impossible. And so for something as rare as Ewing sarcoma, you know, you really want to find the best treatment and the best clinical trial uh, for a patient. And this is a venue uh, for sharing that expertise and, and that uh, knowledge.
0: And particularly with rare tumors like Ewing sarcoma, sarcomas in general, other rare tumors, um, having the adequate path review is huge. Is there a mechanism by which, you know, maybe a a local community doc that might be interested in presenting a case can have um, either imaging reviewed or pathology review. Is that something that uh, is a possibility? How, how are we negotiating that?
1: Yeah, so it's a little tricky because getting pathology slides reviewed require you know shipping the actual slides to our pathologist. But what we did enable anyone submitting a case to do is kind of specify, listen, we want a sarcoma pathologist expert to be part of the meeting, or we want sarcoma radiology expert to be part of the meeting. And then it's not perfect, but they can at least present uh, on the screen, you know, a a copy of the, the pathology slide and the pathologists can can weigh in and share their thoughts about the various different staining. Again, the molecular part of some analyses is also a part of the data we, we ask the physicians to submit when presenting a case. On the flip side, we ask that if they really, really, really want pathology reviewed, to have a pathologist on their end pull up the actual slides in real time that then a pathologist on our end could weigh in on and, and look at it and, and kind of discuss a little bit more. Similarly for, for radiology, for scans, unless they send us the CD with the scans, which isn't always feasible to do in time for uh, the tumor board, but if they can pull it up, we give them control of the screen, they can pull up the scans and go through them and our radiologists weigh in and, and share their thoughts and contribute that way.
0: Tell us a little bit about the process. How does how does a case get submitted?
1: Cases get submitted through a secure uh, online portal through RedCap, the same RedCap we use for, for a lot of research studies. So it's, it's very secure. So Either the physician can submit it, or if a patient wants their case reviewed, they can ask their uh, physician to submit the case. They go to the portal and there's some legal jargon that needs to be you know, signed off on because we're not doing formal uh, consultations here. Uh, we're not seeing the patient, we're not seeing the whole record. Um, so that has to be clear. Um, but then they just have some basic information about the patient. Uh, their age, gender, uh, roughly when they were diagnosed, what treatments they got up front, what other treatments they may have gotten, surgery, radiation, just the general basics of the case, any information about the pathology of, of the tumor. Again, if there's any molecular data uh, that can be shared as well. And then what specialists you would like on the, on the meeting, and what's your question? You know, I have a question about surgical resection for this, or, you know, whether radiation is indicated, or what chemotherapy options would be uh, reasonable. Then that all gets submitted. It comes actually to me and some of my colleagues, Dr. Luke Nystrom in orthopedic oncology, Stacy Zollers, Tom Budd. Uh, from the various specialties are all involved. And we kind of look at the, the basics of the case and say, yeah, I think this is reasonable to, to present. And yes, we have time to present it because uh, again, as, as this gets going, we're, we're getting quite popular. We are almost full uh, at our only our second tumor board. And then we, we send the presenter a template, a PowerPoint template, and some instructions about removing personal identifiers from the case they submit the slides back to us we make sure there's nothing in there that shouldn't be in there and then on the day of the tumor board we pull up the slides give control to the the presenter and they present the case and then everyone who's there listen in share their opinion if they if they have any specific things to say other people are a little more uh, vocal and ask questions there's some trainees that ask questions. There's some of us that kind of ask a little thought provoking questions to stimulate some discussion. And, and generally we, we share our thoughts, our opinions, some education. Um, and then one of us types up uh, a summary of, of what was discussed and we send that back to in presenting doc so they have some sort of record of what was discussed. And then we actually follow up with the presenting doc with a, a brief survey. It's literally two questions as to whether or not it was helpful and uh, to see if the treatment changed at all.
0: No, to the patients themselves or the patients' families, did they get anything directly from the border? We're relying on the the presenting physician to relay that information.
1: Yeah. The. The patients themselves aren't going to get any uh, information directly from the tumor board uh, for matters of privacy. We're keeping this just to physicians on the tumor board. But again, we encourage the the physicians to share what was presented, that the case was presented, and and what the the feedback was from the, the entire group uh, with the family. But that's all through the uh, treating physician.
0: So a lot of the docs that are participating in the tumor board, are clearly sarcoma-minded docs and 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 may well be pretty familiar with Ewing's and they're kind of weighing in. But how are we reaching out? You know, this seems like a really powerful thing that if someone's in Wyoming and they don't have a close uh, sarcoma specialist that they can get that more expert uh, opinion. How How are we reaching out to more remote places to make sure that they can get coverage?
1: So we are reaching out to, let's say, community um, oncologists um, via Twitter, via our referral network, via all of the participating docs. We asked them, please share the link to your your community uh, referring doc uh, that you think might benefit from this. And then we're also, again, this, this was born from foundations interested in patient built foundations supporting Ewing sarcoma and we're partnering with them to say hey listen make this known to the community the Ewing sarcoma community that if you are in the middle of an area that doesn't have a a Ewing sarcoma expert nearby let your oncologist know that this is a resource for them and here's the link and they can then submit a case so we're using social media, using the patient community itself, and then using all of our uh, referral networks to try to reach out to anyone and everyone that could benefit from this.
0: So another thing that seems like might be powerful is um, the ability to capture data from this. So certainly within our own Cleveland Clinic Sarcoma Tumor Board, we collect data and and there's registries. And is there, uh, is there going to be data collected, a registry developed to Sort of say well, these are the cases we've come across. Um, these were uh, these were our recommendations. These are the outcomes. And given a rare, the fact it's a rare tumor, can we can we learn anything from our recommendations we're making, and maybe somehow arrange follow up and get some sort of clinical insight in terms of whether we're truly making the right recommendations?
1: Yeah, so we're a little limited because of just personal uh, patient information we can't transfer too much of that but with the the surveys that we send out to the physicians afterwards we'll we'll at least get a, a glimpse as to whether or not they thought it was helpful whether or not it actually informed the treatment decisions that uh, the physician again ultimately as the physician who is treating the patient that decides but was this helpful in coming up with with the treatment regimen how is the patient doing we follow up uh, Twice, one shortly after the the tumor board, and another time about six months later, just to kind of see, hey, you presented at this tumor board, uh, what came of it? Um, again, very very general, um, not a whole lot of specifics, but in time, you know, if we present four cases or so uh, a month, we'll start getting uh, that information back and. Again, this is led by the Cleveland Clinic, but it's certainly not intended to be the Cleveland Clinic show. It's it's a collaborative effort with all these other institutions. And so as we get more experience and do this, I, I suspect it'll start evolving a little bit and we may ask some more questions uh, to try to get a little bit more useful data down the road.
0: I guess from a collaboration standpoint, there are recurring issues Seems like it would be a good venue to come up with research questions that um, we have a a group of motivated people that can maybe put trials together.
1: Absolutely. Um, One of the first cases that was presented was a uh, cutaneous Ewing sarcoma. And the physician who presented was asking, do we really have to do the full 14 cycles of, of chemotherapy? And the general consensus was, at this point with what we know, yeah, but... It would be interesting to to have a trial to see whether or not we could reduce the doses, since um, the cutaneous uh, Ewing sarcomas, you know, respond really well to treatment. But again, that's kind of the the thinking we we want to stimulate by bringing these experts all together to, to discuss these
0: cases. Well, it's certainly a large undertaking. What uh, what was the biggest challenge? The
1: biggest challenge was actually just kind of getting the word out, uh, for sure. You know, just picture yourself on the other end, you get an email from someone saying, Hey, we're going to have a tumor board. And you're like, uh, sure. (laughs) Right. Um, and in fact, it was, it was funny how we did the first one and there was surprising, like 83 people was, was the, the peak of people, uh, on the meeting. But then after that first meeting, it was almost like people communicated to each other saying, and hey, listen, it's legit, it's not a waste of time. Uh, and a lot of people kind of accepted the invitation after the first meeting. So that was uh, one of the biggest challenges. The second was just kind of setting up the, the whole infrastructure, the data set, the intake forms, uh, the templates, stuff like that. And then again, we are talking about informally discussing actual patients and then the treatment they're getting. And so there's a lot of legal things that need to be considered because again, we are not doing official consultations. Some official consultations may come about after these tumor boards because of the tumor boards saying, oh, this doc out in California really seemed to have a lot of expertise about this. Maybe a formal consultation with them would be helpful. That's something that can happen independent of the of the tumor board of making sure patients were protected that it's clear that these are not formal recommendations or anything like that because we're not fully evaluating the patient but find a way to share thoughts and and recommendations and and have a safe place for everyone to be able to discuss these patients uh, was was kind of one of the most important things and, and that required a lot of meetings to make sure we did it right.
0: Well, you've certainly done a great job coordinating this and and getting this off the ground. And so certainly to be commended for that. So um, I guess uh, if people who are listening want more information about the National Ewing Sarcoma Tumor Board or want to submit a case for review, they can visit clevelandclinic.org slash n-e-w-s board. That's clevelandclinic.org slash n-e-w-s board. Um, and they can uh, get some additional information and submit a case. So, thanks, Matteo. Appreciate you being with us today.
1: Thank you. It was a pleasure.
0: This concludes this episode of Cancer Advances. You will find additional podcast episodes on our website, ClevelandClinic.org/canceradvancespodcast. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to podcasts.